Here we go. Today, September the 18th, Monday, you're listening to Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and I have a question for you. What is better than to be with Jesus? I know when you think about that question, it's very hard to come up with an answer that would be better than to be with Jesus. But the Apostle Paul talks about that in our reading for this coming Sunday, the 17th Sunday after Pentecost, which will be for September the 24th, and it's from Philippians chapter 1. The Old Testament reading is from Isaiah 55, and the gospel is from Matthew chapter 20. But we're going to be taking a look at Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. Paul writes, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Yes, Paul was arrested due to the hatred of some Jews towards him, and he was in prison. But even his guards had come to realize how important was the gospel of the message of Jesus Christ. Remember, Paul had been chosen by God himself to be an apostle to the Gentiles. While the disciples were very much involved with being apostle and teachers of the Jews, Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. And he says that even throughout the whole imperial guard, those that were watching over him, that his imprisonment was on account of Jesus Christ. Going on, verse 14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. That is a great message to pastors today. Uh, a lot of lay people hesitate to speak the word of God clearly, especially in light of the fact that so many in the United States and the world are against the morality of the Bible. But when a pastor is clear in his sermons, in his teaching, that these things are contrary to God's word, it gives encouragement to the laity to also speak to their friends about the importance, as John the Baptist taught, of repentance. And of course, as Jesus taught, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul continues in verse 19, Philippians 1, For I know that through your prayers 
and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life. All right. Uh, the lines went down again. So we were talking about Philippians chapter 1, where Paul says, through the prayers and help of the Holy Spirit, he will not be ashamed, even though he is imprisoned. In other words, he will remind you of the courage that we always have in Christ Jesus and will be honored in our body, whether by life or by death. So he says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me because he is able to then preach the gospel to many more people. Yet I may die, which I shall choose I cannot tell, because it's not going to be his choice. God is going to have him die in order to go to heaven, and he will die as a martyr. If I am to live in the flesh, that will be fruitful. He's hard-pressed between the two. What two is he talking about? My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. So in answer to our question that we began with, what is better than to be with Jesus? Well, he continues in verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Now, isn't that interesting? I've run into a number of shut-ins whose spouse, the person has died, they have no children, and they're just really looking forward to going to heaven. And they need to realize also that insofar as they remain in the flesh can be more necessary from the point of view of God, in account of other people. I know, I know shut-ins who may be in bed all day long, but they make phone calls uh, to people who are ill, giving them encouragement, etc. So convinced of this, Paul says, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So Paul would come to them, maybe not in the person, but through his writings, as he wrote to the Ephesians, the Corinthians, and in this letter to the Philippians. But then he gives them the following encouragement, verse 22, Philippians 1. 
Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Now, we know that there were Christians that were being put to death, that were being imprisoned, that were thrown to the lions. And yet, Paul encourages them to stand firm in one spirit. That means to agree with one another on the doctrines of Holy Scripture and not be frightened by anything that your opponents can do to you. The fact that they have opponents, verse 28 says, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, because they're opposing you, but of your salvation. And where does that salvation come from? It comes from God. Verse 29, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. See, that's the difference between Christianity and many other religions that give the impression that when you follow their religions, everything will work out to your good. In fact, uh, yesterday at worship service, at one of the worship services I conducted, I was asked by a lady, because uh, right now I'm recovering from my illness. And she said, well, can't you be sure you'll be recovering from it? Because is that not what Jesus promised? to heal all diseases? I said, yes, but not necessarily while I am here on earth. While you're here on earth, there's no promise from God that you will be healed from your diseases. That promise is in regard to going to heaven, where you will have no disease, no suffering, no injury, no death no sin. But here on earth, you may partake of what Jesus partaked of, namely in his suffering for us, that we will be engaged in the same conflict that Jesus had against his opponents, that Paul had, and that we also will have when we stand up for the message of Jesus Christ. So this is kind of underscored 
by the Old Testament reading for this Sunday coming up, Isaiah chapter 55. What does this say? Verse 8 and 9 are really important. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Now, we're going to talk more about that on Wednesday when we take a look at the Proverbs, where it says that the mind of God one can never figure out. Unless it is revealed by Holy Scripture, you simply do not understand the mind of God. Whereas the mind of kings, rulers, let's say also of pastors, can be understood. Because when they make suggestions and plans, they can show the evidence for why they are doing what they are doing. But for God, there is no evidence of his thoughts except the Bible itself. Remember, those two disciples on the road to Emmaus were completely perplexed that their Savior had died on a cross, and now they heard he had risen from the dead. They could not understand that until Jesus met with them on the road to Emmaus and gave him the greatest Bible study ever heard in the Bible. What did he do? He simply quoted Old Testament Bible verses. And that helped us to understand the reason for his crucifixion. Like in Isaiah 53, the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's why he died on the cross, because he was paying for our sins. And he paid for them with the greatest suffering that he was aware of in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he would be forsaken, that is, left alone by the Father to experience the sufferings of the cross in order that our sins would be paid for, so that he could not only rejoice in saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, but also, it is finished. Yes, it is finished. And that comes through in the collect of the day, for the 17th Sunday after Pentecost. This is how it reads. Lord God, Heavenly Father, since we cannot stand before you relying on anything we have done, help us trust in your abiding grace and live according to your word through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Did you hear that? When we look towards going to heaven, 
we can't be assured that heaven is our home because of what we have done. Because many a time we have done nothing but sin. Now we have repented of that sin. We've asked for forgiveness. But it is that forgiveness and being declared righteous by God himself that puts us into a situation where heaven is our home, for sure. That's what we rely on. Not my works, but the works of Jesus Christ. And does it matter how much we have worked in the world? How many good works we have done? Well, that's what the gospel is about from Matthew chapter 20. The kingdom of heaven, it says, is like the master of a house. He goes out early in the morning and he hires laborers for his vineyard. And they all agree that they will be paid the amount of a day's wages, which is a denarius. And he sends them out into the vineyard. But then going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle. And he tells them, go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give to you. Then he goes out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour. And the 11th hour, which is one hour before the day's work ends. And he says, why are you here standing idle? They say, no one has hired us. He tells them to go into the vineyard. So when the day of work is finished, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, and, of course, the foreman would be Jesus. Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. Now, when those who were hired about the 11th hour came, remember, they only worked one hour in compared to the 12 hours of those who began at the beginning of the day. Each of them received a denarius received a full day's wage so that when those who were hired, they came, they thought they would receive much more. But each of them also received a denarius. And so what did they do? They began to grumble at the master of the house saying, these last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But then the master of the house said to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to the last worker as I have given to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? 
or do you begrudge my generosity? Now, what, what does that mean? I've been involved with a lot of congregations, and we have all kinds of people in those congregations. Some of them have wonderful lives, great families, wonderful possessions. They're never out of work. Oh, they have occasional problems, but not that much that really bothers them that often. Whereas others in the congregation, boy, they always seem to be coming down with an illness. Uh, Accidents are prevalent in their lives. Loved ones are lost. Well, guess what? There's going to be no difference between the different kinds of people when they die and go to heaven. Each of them will receive total bliss in heaven because that's what God has guaranteed to them, that heaven will be a place without any illness, injury, sickness, or whatever else happened on earth. And so we may look and see it appears that some people really have a good life here on earth and others always seem to be in problems. Why is that? Well, that's the choice of God as to how much work we will be given, particularly against our opponents who hate what we have to say. Why do they hate what we have to say? Because part of the message of the Christian faith is to repent of your sins. And there are those who simply don't think they have those many sins. Or they know of people who are worse sinners than they are. So why should they repent? And they hate the message of repentance. The message of law needs to be heard in every sermon because all of us, as the Bible says, fall short of the glory of God. But God raises us up to his glory. That's what is meant, that everybody gets a full day's wage, a denarius as though they had worked equally the full 12 hours, when in reality, many have not. In fact, there are those who die soon after they are born, and so they don't have years of accumulation of suffering and persecution. In contrast to, for example, all but one of the apostles who were martyred for their faith. So these three lessons give us great insight into why God's thoughts are not our thoughts, but how we also will be blessed by the Holy Trinity. 
I'm Tom Baker. Tomorrow we'll look at the hymn, Salvation Unto Us Has Come. Join us at 930. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.